Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hi, welcome back to the COB. I'm Danny Akuye with Juliet Sali. Happy Friday, Danny. Yes, happy Friday. We're being a bit cheeky and having a happy Friday. Yes, Prosecco. Cheers so if we go a little bit awry, you know what's happened. Indeed. It went to our heads. <laughs> oh, my hair isn't very neat either. It's all gone to our heads already. Um, look, we are starting December on a bit of a, a back foot, I guess, but yesterday we had that really good rally into the month end. Absolutely. It does look like the market has tried to recover some of the losses. So the SIBO 200 is actually in positive territory, almost by one point. And the ASX 200... Uh, it's about 11 points lower, I think. Exactly. Um, almost two tenths of a percent. So we did see after those... Um, is it the Kaxin? Chinese? Taishin. 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 It's a hard one to say, but yeah, after Taishin. eight years in Asia, I finally learned how to say it. Okay. Taishin. Taishin. And their PMIs were a little bit stronger than expected, which did looks to have released some buying support for the market. So let's have a look at the three themes of today. And uh, well, there is a term in finance, not in other things, called pump and dump. And that is when somebody pushes the stock up and then they sell it. Of course, it was in reference to the window dressing that Jules and I conveniently forgot about yesterday (laughs) being the last day of the month. And then we did see selling pressure come in into the morning session of the ASX 200. Yes. And of course, we're looking ahead now to the RB a meeting next week. Mm. I mean, we had the inflation read this week. We know the quarterly one's going to be a lot more important, but it does seem that more and more people are saying, look, December's going to be a hold. Um, So, of course, that will be the the key theme for next week. And then oil flush, Danny, OPEC plus (laughs) disappointing a little. Yes, it does look like it has disappointed. I mean, it's a bit like herding cats, isn't Mm. it? Getting them all to coordinate, cut their production. And of course, now it is voluntary cuts. And of course, I suppose if you, this is generating revenue, the question mark is, do you really want a voluntary cut? Uh, just speaking there with Daniel Hines from ANZ, so this thing, the concept of an oil flush is when Saudi Arabia mm. floods the market and they did it when um, the, the frackers came online in the US and it actually failed desperately. So he doesn't think they're going to resort to that. Ah. But nevertheless, the market clearly disappointed with what has basically been uh, voluntary cuts. Yeah, let's have a look at the sectors because today all 11 were low. And we know that uh, there was weakness in tech stocks on the NASDAQ and obviously those higher bond yields, despite the PCE inflation read in the US, did see some weakness on our tech players as well. Uh, Wise Tech Global there down by about eight tenths of one percent. Technology one off 2.6 percent. Absolutely. And let's have a look at the energy stocks and see how they performed in the face of uh, what was a bit of a disappointing OPEC plus meeting. And it's just interesting, both Ampol and Viva Energy were in the green um, and some slight profit taking coming into Woodside, Santos and Beach. 
And uh, just having a look at utilities, look, they were probably the best sector today, even though we still saw weakness coming through when you look at the sector as a whole. Uh, what are you seeing on your screen? Yeah, I um, think I was just looking at the ASX sectors. They're actually, it looks like a, a couple of sectors moved higher towards the close. So industrials and uh, utilities a little bit stronger. So you saw some buying coming through from APA Group, Mercury New Zealand. Uh, and of course, we've been continuing to watch that Origin Energy story as well. The shareholder vote will be on Monday. And the long running saga continues. Mm. Now, let's have a look at some corporate news and SSR Mining is set to sell a Peru-based gold and silver project to Highlander Silver. And we can see that share price was up uh, just over three tenths of a percent, closing around $17.81. And Coles will look at closed down 1%, 15.17. Australia's consumer watchdog waving through plans by the supermarket owner to purchase milk facilities from Saputo. Okay, now this is really, I thought, quite interesting. Mm. Oz Super seems to be in the media, shall we say, quite a lot. And they have just purchased a 5% stake in Pilbara Minerals. And uh, we do know that Pilbara has been one of the most shorted stocks on the ASX 200. Looks like it's closing out at $3.62. Core Lithium, meanwhile, uh, it was about nearly 2% lower, being downgraded to sell by analysts at City today. And Premier Investments was effectively off to the races after some very upbeat comments uh, from Chairman Solomon Liu about the extent of the Black Friday sales. And uh, it, the uh, sales came in much higher than analysts expected. And of course, that was stock of the day on the call. And I guess were David Novak from Wealthwise Education and Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners. Uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales, and then they've obviously got a couple more events coming up. So it doesn't look too bad for Premier Investments. We've got a buy on Premier Investments at right. Shore and Partners. So I'm going to stick with my research guys and say it's a buy. Only reason is I think I back management and they yeah. are very, very good at what they do. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, look, the, the trend is sort of, you know, it's, it's not terribly inspiring. They had a big jump back in um, uh, August when they reported. Um, and it's just been going sideways since then. So, you know, at best for me, it's it's at least a hold, you know? Yeah. Possibly a buy, um, but I'm not look big on the retail sector right now, personally. So it's not a buy per personally for me, but it's definitely a hold if you've got it. It's got a good yield, for, you know, fully franked yield of mm. um, whatever it is, five and a half, five percent or something. Um, yeah. yeah, just under 5%. Yeah. So uh, it's not trading on ridiculous multiples for a retailer. And yeah, they're, they're still kicking some goals here, so. Okay, so our guests do like Premier Investments, mm. but David Novak going, he doesn't really like retail. So both of them saying a hold for Premier Investor. It's interesting that they did, or Solomon Liu did flag, possibly selling out the businesses and yeah. trying to release some value, but we'll have to see whether or not that actually happens. All right, let's take a look at next week. Of course, we are now in December as of today, but uh, the RBA board meeting, as we mentioned, it will be obviously the last one for 2023, but in fact, the last 
one until February because the RBA doesn't meet in January. You know, only a, a couple of weeks or so ago, people thought this could be a live one. Danny, as we mentioned, it really doesn't seem like it will be now. No. Very much it looks like the RBA will hold at 4.35%. We've also got GDP figures. All of that will factor through to ANZ job advertisements, international trade and uh, the inflation gauge. And I think we have our special guest, uh, Dr. Shane Oliver from AMP with us now. So Shane, always good to see you. Um, we're just uh, looking at the overall read on markets and, and what we've seen, particularly as we saw that really big run up into the end of November. And then I guess a bit of a flat start to December, probably not too much of a surprise given what we had from uh, Wall Street overnight and that inflation core PCE mm. gauge. That, that's right. But uh, well, there's a couple of things to note here. I think the news over the last week has been unambiguously positive, um, particularly on inflation. Uh, commentary out of central banks globally in the US has been far less hawkish. Uh, all of those things are very positive for share markets. And likewise, in Australia, we saw some lower than expected numbers, which of course have substantially reduced the prospect of a rate hike. Uh, little chance according to the money market uh, next week, but uh, the money market's only pricing in something like a 25% chance of a hike by May next year and thereafter it starts to diminish. So it, it we have seen some pretty good news there. Um, problem with share markets though is of course th they have run very hard and very fast. Global shares, US shares up 8.9% in November. I think uh, one of the strongest Novembers on record. Global shares up something like 8%. Uh, so very st strong gains there. Now we were up 4.5% but traditionally the seasonal strength in Australia doesn't commence until uh, December. November is often a, a weaker month. So uh, the, the other point to note, of course, is that markets are uh, a little bit overbought. You can, th there's the chart there, the seasonal pattern. Uh, we saw the classic uh, weakness into October that you often see, uh, particularly starting in August in the US and then September. And then we saw um, a rebound in the US in November. And of course, uh, half-hearted one in Australia, but we did see one. Uh, Australian strength normally kicks in in December. Uh, so we've still got more seasonal strength to go. But I think the point about markets is they are a bit overbought technically, particularly globally, not so much our market. And that does mean we could go through a bit of a consolidation. But I think the broader picture macro, in a macro sense, is actually now quite positive uh, with pressure coming off central banks. And I know a lot of people say, well, you know, Australian inflation, around five percent in uh, europe two and a half percent in the us three canada about three you know how come we're so bad well just bear in mind you go back a year ago uh they were a lot worse than us uh so they rose earlier than us they peaked earlier uh we're following those countries with a lag and i think we'll, we will continue to do so Shane, um, do you think the Fed, what, what will be the primary factor to make the Fed ease? Let's put it that way. Is it going to be slowing growth, slowing more than expected or rising unemployment? Or is it going to be that just real yields are just too high? So it's basically too, too control. Well, it's the monetary policy is too tight as inflation comes down. Look, I, I think it'll be a combination of those things. Fed Governor Waller through the week, and he's typically hawkish. Uh, he seems to be coming a lot less hawkish lately. He did point out that if inflation continued to fall, then they could envisage easing in, I think he said, three, four, five months' time. Bit vague there, but uh, you know, going <laughs> to the middle of the year, they could envisage easing. So it looks like inflation is the main thing 
but they'd probably also want to see the labor market uh, become cooler uh, before that happened. Um, you can just see how quickly those numbers have come down on that chart there, which is US, Europe, Canada, UK, Japan, Japan, and Japan's a bit of an outlier. Um, but they all went up very rapidly. They've all come down very rapidly. Europe in particular uh, was uh, almost 11% uh, go back a year ago. So th these, these countries have seen a massive improvement. Um, but they'd still be a little bit wary at this stage. That's why they're not going to cut yet, because A, they're not yet at their targets, at least on their core rates, they're, they're certainly not. And secondly, uh, that they would want to see more evidence that labour markets have cooled, that the demand has cooled, and therefore th th the back of their mind is sort of some reference to the 1970s that they eased too quickly back then, and then inflation wasn't brought under control and then rebounded again uh, quickly as soon as the next upturn came along. So I think they'll probably hang in there with tight monetary policy for a while yet, but, but ultimately the easing will come with a combination of lower inflation, uh, more confidence that it's going to stay down, easing inflation expectations and easing growth. Uh, let's talk as well about the house price data and, of course, the effect of the interest rate hikes we've already seen uh, in the country on the market. Because it was interesting that on one front you did see November up by 0.22%, so still seeing these records on a median average. But it does start to show mm. some sort of slowdown in terms of some of these interest rates working a little bit. What, how did you read the house price data? Well, I, I think the clear message from the house price data is that high high interest rates are starting to get the upper hand again. Uh, we saw this odd rebound this year. So, so if you go back to last year, uh, prices peaked, I think, in uh, January. Then we get that big slump going. Uh, we just lost you a little bit. Are you underwater, Shane? Uh, should work now. Does it work now? Yeah, we're, we're, we can hear you, just not as well as we could before. Well, yeah, my sound device, I think, might have run out of battery. I don't know. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, these things happen here. Oh, you're, you're back. Know, you're back. Yeah, when you do live TV. But uh, uh, no, if you go back to uh, last year, the uh, market fell from about May onward, uh, which was around the time interest rates started to rise. Of course, um, price came down something like 7 8%, obviously more about 11 numbers get revised a little bit now for logic and then we've been a rebound three cities Adelaide, Perth and Brisbane um, but looks like they're now starting to come under pressure again particularly in Sydney and Melbourne with loss of momentum and that I think just a bit uh, we've had the boost from uh, the price fall, but now we're starting to see um, higher interest rate kick problem again so <laughs> My, my little device keeps going ding, ding, ding. <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. Um, it's Friday. Plugged in, but for some reason it uh, wasn't getting the charge. But in any case, I I, I think that uh, we've seen the, the, the rebound. We're now going into a weaker period for the property market. Uh, Sydney and Melbourne prices will probably come down next year, quite possibly Hobart and Canberra. They'll look a bit wet on the weak side. And then uh, the other cities might hang in there a little bit longer. It seems to me that the bottom line here is that if you're a typical home buyer coming to the market now with a 20% deposit on average full-time earnings, uh, your capacity to pay for home is down 30%. That was offset over the course of the last 12 months by very attractive, like bank of mum and dad, borrowers and so on. So I think those supports are now and we'll see renewed weakness going into next year.
Uh, yeah, I actually read, Shane, um, in another publication today that white-collar jobs um, are starting to come under pressure. So clearly, once, I suppose, people have less confidence in job security, um, the slowdown could possibly accelerate. Is that kind of how you are looking at it, how, empo- how important the uh, labour numbers are and the job security as we move into the next phase of the cycle? Look, I, I think that's very important, and uh, Governor Bullock referred to that in mean, his comments, which became somewhat controversial on Tuesday, that, uh, uh, that the household sector was doing okay, was doing fine, uh, nothing to worry about. That Those sorts of um, uh, things are sort of all right in terms of what when he's referring to people making their mortgage payments, but he did say that obviously employment is a big one, and if employment comes under pressure, then that situation could turn around. Um, I, I think many Australians would take issue with those comments because I get the impression that many Australians are actually struggling uh, with the high cost of living and interest rate issues present. But I guess the point she was trying to make was, well, they're not defaulting on their loans yet, but they are having to cut back spending. And, of course, the real problem will come if we go into next year and the jobs market weakens substantially. And at the moment, we're seeing the sort of anecdotes that you referred to, Danny, we're also seeing falls in job vacancy uh, come off, much like you're seeing declines in job openings in the US. And all of that points to a weaker jobs market. It just depends on how weak. If it's just a, a slowing in job growth and uh, unemployment goes up because of more migrants, but it is you know, people who are already here keep their jobs, uh, we may get by. But if uh, well, the RBA miscalculates, we end up with a harder landing, and that's certainly the risk here then uh, I think that will ricochet back to the property market as more people will really struggle to service their loans if uh, if more people start to lose their jobs. So it's a big one to watch as we go through next year uh, and could then accentuate the downward pressure that we're starting to see to some degree in terms of property pricing. Finally, Shane, you know what I'm going to ask? What's on the radar for this weekend? What are you listening to? What are you reading? Well, interestingly, I'm still reading that fantasy novel I referred to last week. Um, it was a thick one. It was a very thick one. But interestingly, usually I, 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 it's a couple of points worth noting. I have been reading this and I finished oh. it a while back. And I found it quite interesting. If you go down at the back of it, it says, uh, try reading every day. And it actually says something to the effect that research from Yale University found that those who read 30 minutes a day live on average 23 months longer than those who don't. So, uh, one of his just one thing is do a bit of reading each day. But, uh, one thing I have been uh, gradually getting through is that Paul McCartney about uh, years ago put out a publication called The Lyric, and massive uh, publication going through a lot of his songs, fairly thick, lots of pictures and the words from each song, and then he explains what each of those songs are about. So usually I try and go through one or two of these a day. Sometimes it flips, so it's like taking me uh, uh, two years to get through the uh, publication. And, and there are some ma- amazing insights into what drives him. He, he was often criticised of often gets criticised as being too sunny, too optimistic, um, too cheerful. The albums would often end with something like True Our Love or Come On People, really uplifting stuff. Um, but his reasoning was that he sort of worked out. You get these rough times and then things pick up again and you move on. Uh, and as long as he has this um, ability through his reach, he calls it, uh, he'll, he'll try and remain optimistic and hopefully that rubs off some people. So, I mean, to some degree, I sort of relate to that. It's, it's actually a fairly sensible uh, sensible logic. And I, I must admit, many Paul McCartney songs have made me feel happier at mm. times.
Oh, so that's I, that's so lovely. But you're you're going to live till two hundred and five with you standing on one foot and reading <laughs> thirty minutes every day. You're doing all the right things. I've got to do a few more though. He says uh, do uh, one minute of he calls them press ups in Australia. We call them push ups. Mm. You I know, managed to do. I could I could get them done forty in a minute or something like that. But uh, often days I forget, so I've got to. Uh, get more religious <laughs> walking backwards on a treadmill is also the latest thing i've been ah. doing that one it's very good for balance because we lose our balance as we get older so walking backwards is really well, important shane told us once before he cleans his teeth yeah, standing on one foot yeah, yeah exactly we could stand i've got high too. heels on so it's a little bit harder <laughs> i mean high heels i can drink wine on one foot look at me um all right shane, thank you so much we're getting a bit silly here on this friday afternoon a pleasure as always thank you so much for joining us. See you next Thank week. You. Okay, too much fun there on a Friday afternoon. Um, I think Aperva wants us to get to the leaders and laggards. Exactly. Let's do that. Paladin Energy. Okay, that one's been sold off over the last few days. So bouncing almost 7%. Neuron Pharmaceuticals up almost 5 Iris continuing to go up. There was a broker upgrade. We talked about Premier Investments earlier on. And Helios up 3%. And the laggards today were quite a lot, but let's have a look at the top ones. Chalice Mining. I think Bega might have been there too. Sayona Mining off by 5.3%. Uh, Tabcorp off by 4.1%. And then just having a quick look as well at uh, some of the Small caps. small caps, yeah. So the small cap are leaders. 4D memory up almost 15%. Elevate uranium, I must admit, that's passed me by, up 14%. And Beacon Minerals up 11%. And let's have a look at the, some of the small cap laggards. Yeah, Legacy Iron Ore down 12%. Brainship off by 11%. Sierra Resources off by 10%. And BlackRock Mining off by almost that amount as well. Now, we ran through what's ahead next week, Danny. What about on the uh, global front? What are we looking out for? Yeah, good question. What are we looking out for? I think we've got Chinese inflation and the uh, China Caxin services. No, that's so, today. So, so no, no, that's, that's the services. But so... When you, when you see that C-A-I, you go Thai and then the X is a okay, sh sound. Okay. Thai Shin. Okay, Thai Shin. No, 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 I'm just trying, I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you I Mandarin. Know. China Thai Shin Services. Uh, purchasing managers, also U.S. consumer confidence, U.S. non-farm payrolls and U.S. services purchasing managers index. Okay, let's have a quick recap of the market and the ASX 200 uh, down 14 points to 0.2% at 7,073. And the SIBO 200 actually ended up almost one point. So there we go. And just worth noting that on the month we have seen the ASX 200 is actually uh, up by 3.4%. On the month as in today or you mean no, over November? Over the, over yeah. Oh, over the, the 30 days. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, exactly. it's Friday. We're going to leave you to your Friday and we will be back, of course, with all things markets from Monday, 9.30 on Ausbiz. You can catch up with all our great interviews over the week at ausbiz.com.au. Have a great weekend. Mm -hmm.